0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. First Samuel chapter number nine. First Samuel nine, starting with verse number three. The Bible says in the asses of Kish, Saul's father were lost. Kish said to Saul, his son, take now one of the servants with thee, and arise, go seek the asses. And he passed through Mount Ephraim and passed through the land of Shalisha. But they found them not. Then they passed through the land of Shalim. And there they were not. And he passed through the land of the Benjamites, but they found them not. And when they were come to the land of Zuth, Saul said to his servant that was with him, Come and let us return, lest my father leave caring for the asses and take thought for us. In other words, the estimation of Saul was this. Man, we have have sought this out. We've tried to find the the amends, the answer to all of this. We've been at very we have traveled some journey, some distance, and everything has been unprofitable. Nothing. Nothing. They're not there. He says, if I'm just saying in layman's terms, I'm just throwing in the towel on this one. I'm just throwing in the towel on this one. Let's just go back home because there seems to be no remedy to this problem. The Bible says though in verse number 20 these words. And as, this is Samuel speaking to Saul. We'll tell the story before it's all over. But, and as for thine asses, speaking to Saul, that were lost three days ago, set not thy mind on them, for they are found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on thee, and on all thy father's house? Amen. For a little while tonight, I want to preach along this line. Ulterior motives. Ulterior motives. And if I were to subtitle it, which I don't normally do, but if I were, it would simply be this as a word of instruction. Set not thy mind on your troubles. Set not your mind on your troubles. Will you help me pray tonight? Lord Jesus, I come to you. Lord, as your humble servant, I'm asking, oh God, that you would anoint us, Lord, in this place. God, I pray, Lord, this word, God, let it find a lodging place, Lord, in each of our hearts. I pray, oh God, let it be a word of encouragement. Let it be a word of instruction. I pray, oh Lord, boaster the faith, God, to somebody in this place. God, for faith cometh by hearing hearing by the word of God I pray Lord set a hot coal thine altar lay it to my lips I pray Jesus to speak acceptable words Lord in this place tonight God I love you and I thank you and I appreciate you for it. God whenever I return to my seat in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray amen and amen everyone say amen hallelujah shake a neighbor's hand if you will before you're seated tell them how good they look how nice it is to have them in the house of the Lord amen Ulterior motives, ulterior motives. I would dare to say that each of us have had our own experience with someone or perhaps a body of people that uh, interacted in our lives who were operating under the guise of some ulterior motive. Uh, For the most part, we seem to fall prey to such episodes like that. It's whenever people are kind of... uh, somewhat nice or a little bit too good to be true type of face value that you receive from someone that you're looking for the left hook you're you're looking for something that uh is a little beyond what is upon the surface you know that uh, i know you you receive it even from family i get it from my kids You know, every father knows that whenever the little girl comes and sits on the lap and she's given an exorbitant amount of hugs and kisses and there's a smile on her face and she's telling you how good of a daddy you are and how sweet and kind that you are that she has some type of ulterior motive. Uh, She wants to go somewhere. She wants some money for something. Uh, you know, whenever you start getting some things that are just kind of out of character from somebody, you're wondering in yourself, okay, now what do they really want? What is the real score? Brother Terry, you're, you're speaking back there to me as though you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, just people in your family, your kids just have a way of, of just sh- buttering you up to a certain degree that they're going in for the keel once they get you on their side and that your your mind and your heart is just prideful and puffed up with how great you are in their sight son you, you'll begin to pull over George Washington's and I don't know what else you might pull out of your wallet in order to just cause man that was just so great ulterior motives and a lot of times we, we see them coming through the guise of something that is kind through the guise of something that is patting us on the back or that seems to be very good we see then the ulterior motive is then that's Something negative or something bad or something that is self-serving is on the verge of taking place. But I wish through the process of Scripture tonight to view something a little bit differently because we always view it through something good. Now there's going to come an ulterior motive. But I want to pose to you this evening that there can also be some ulterior motives with things on the surface that we perceive as bad. Some things that we can perceive as negative that uh, would if anything decrease and subtract from us that there can actually be under the surface some type of ulterior motive that could really be positive. On the surface it looks negative. On the surface it doesn't look very promising but a lot of times God has the ability of having things that look negative that doesn't look promising for your life that look like it's going to cause a big subtraction it's going to be a big burden that's laid upon your shoulder and God has the uncanny ability of taking something like that with an ulterior motive and working it for your good working it for your benefit right whenever you thought you could not take anymore you couldn't handle anymore God says I did all that to bring you to a place to bring you to a position to put you in a posture where I could really just benefit you with some things that are beyond your mind's imagination. The Bible tells us in Scripture the, the, the father of Saul who is by the name of Kish he evidently had some livestock he had some donkeys or asses as they are termed here in the King James Version he had some donkeys a herd of donkeys and we don't know how many donkeys escaped but evidently a good number of them had escaped they did not know where these donkeys were and so Saul is there being the son of Kish and you just you know a lot of times you give some of those type of jobs to your kids and and Kish says, Saul, he says, why don't you take one of the servants and you go find uh, uh, these donkeys that have left from the fold. You just go find them. They're, they're lost. And it's a troublesome thing to have part of the fold of the donkeys not around. It's a loss to our family. It, it, it lowers our social standing with those number of donkeys gone. So I want you to go find the donkeys. And you've got to understand the position that Saul is in. Uh, his daddy's name, Kish, means a mighty man of valor. He can trace his heritage and his parentage back for about seven generations. And at each generation, it is just notably just prestigious. And it's notably mighty men of valor. And you got to understand Saul and the position that he is. Who am I, the son of a mighty man of valor, to be given such a job description, to be given such a task at this time, to go wandering out through the wilderness and through the forest looking for a few Donkeys. I'm, I'm the son of a mighty man of valor. Their parentage and legacy in my family is very renowned. It is very good. And I've been given this task has been laid upon me to find a couple of donkeys. And the Bible says he took a servant that was with him and they started out on their journey. They're looking here and they're looking there. The Bible describes several of the different towns that they went through, some of the regions that they passed through. But at every jungle, in the road concerning this problem concerning this trouble the Bible says they were coming up empty-handed the response always was this but they found them not they passed from that area to another area seeking for them looking for the remedy and the solution to this problem and yet the scripture records and they were not or they were not there there was no remedy there was no solution to the loss, to the trouble, to the problem. He goes to the Benjamite land. They're searching. The Bible, for history, As a matter of fact, if you look at a map, they traveled about 20 miles, not in their automobile, 20 miles by foot, looking for the answer to this trouble, looking for the answer to this problem. But everywhere they were looking, everywhere that they were investigating, it was hopeless. There's no solution, there is no remedy. There is nothing that's taking place. I I dare to say tonight that I stand among a group of people that at times there has been certain things laid upon you in your life. There has been problematic circumstances and situations that have been given to the children of a mighty man of valor that's been given to the children of the king, and you've asked yourself at times, God, why in the world, in me being a child of God, has this been laid to my charge? Why has this been laid to me, Lord, to go out trying with this problem, with this circumstance, with this woe? Why would that be laid on me? Not only that, some of you have went through things that you have had the same donkeys get out time and time again the same donkeys and you searched in the same areas and it's been fruitless at times. You've had your problem. I'm preaching tonight. I, I felt inspired by Sister Brenda this morning. You've searched and you searched. you prayed until you didn't know any other words to assimilate together and put together in order to pray. You asked for other people to pray. You called on the church to pray. You've called on God. You've done everything within your own power and within your own means to find the remedy and the solution to the problem. And you think sometimes, Why in the world, God, would this be even laid to my charge? Why would I even have this physical health condition? Why in the world would there be an upheaval even in my marriage? Why would there be a crux between me and one of my other family members? And there's no remedy. There's no solution. There's no answer. Everywhere you search, everywhere you go, every prayer you pray seems to be unanswered. I know of the people that I'm talking to tonight because over the past years I have stood here and in this pulpit and I've seen the lives of people in this congregation that have had great perplexities laid upon you in your life. Great perplexities laid upon you and your families. Some that everybody knows and others that nobody else knows but that individual and maybe my wife and I about the woe that they had seen. The disdain that they have felt in their life. How they come up frustrated and flabbergasted that they didn't have a remedy, they didn't have a solution they did not get an answer someone say amen and the servants out and about it's dry, it's arid they're looking everywhere they know to look nobody has any idea where the solution is, have no idea where the donkeys are, they could have went north they could have went south it could have been east, it may have been west there is no direction in knowing where to find the answer no direction and knowing where the solution is. But they're looking in every nook and cranny that they can. Every crevice that they can find they're gonna search it out. Every vacant cave they're gonna dig down. Dig deep into the darkness. Just perhaps, that maybe there's the brain of a donkey there. But all and over again, they were not. They were not there. They were not found. Getting frustrated in their pursuit, Saul finally comes to a place in his life. He says, "We've been everywhere. We've tried everything. We've talked about everything. We've searched everywhere. We've done everything we know to do, don't know to do." I say, "Why don't we just throw in the towel on this?" The answer's never going to come. The solution's never going. To be at. This thing's never going to be remedied. Why don't we just throw in the towel and go back home with our heads down and our hands down? Because this thing just can't be fixed. Yes. Say yes. Yes. Oh glory. So let's just return from whence we came, because this thing just cannot be fixed. Let me tell you, there have been people in churches across America that have done just that. There have been churches across America with issues that arose in their congregations that have done just that. They've sought till they could not seek anymore. They've looked until they couldn't look anymore. They've asked until they couldn't ask anymore. And they've thrown in the towel. And they've went back with down hands and said it's just never going to happen. There evidently must not be a solution to this problem. There evidently just, just must not be an answer. He meant to this prayer. But I'm here to tell you, by the encouragement of a servant, by the encouragement of the servant. The servant said, hey, Saul. He said, well, there's over here in a particular area a man of God. In that day, if you were going to rule, at that hour in that culture, if you were going to talk to God, you talked to him through and by a man of God. just that day. And so whenever the servant said, let's go see the man of God or, or let's go see the seer, in essence, it was meaning this, let's go talk with God. I know, Saul, you're at the end of your rope. I know we've been on a 20-mile journey, and it seemed fruitless, but why don't we go to talk to God just one more time? And they go up, and they begin to have a conversation, amen, with the man of God because there's trouble. There's adversity. There's a problem that's upon them. Has anybody ever had a problem? Has anybody ever found themselves in trouble? Perhaps more times than you would wish to count. I grabbed great comfort from Scripture of Job 3 in verse 25. The Bible says, for the thing, Job says, for the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me. And that which I was afraid of is come unto me. He said, I was not in safety. He said, neither had I rest. He said, neither was I quiet. He said, yet trouble came. You read Job chapter 3, and Job is spending a good portion of his time in that chapter. He's talking about he wished he had never been born. In other words, he was saying, if I knew I was going to experience everything that I'm experiencing right now, that's negative, negative that's subtracting from me. I wish i never seen the light of day from my mother's womb. I wish I was never born. I wish this had never happened if I knew I was gonna face the things in this life that I'm facing right now. Amen, because all of this could've just been prevented if i never seen the day of my birth. Don't tell me for a moment that there's probably even people in the sound of my voice I said, Brother McGee, there has been times, and you don't have to raise your hand or signify it, but I know the nation in which I live, there have been things that come across the plate that maybe some have considered. There's no reason, amen, why I should even been born. Maybe I should just go on and take my life because if this is the way life is going to be, if this is the way the process of life is going to be, I'd rather be six feet under than on top of this grant. Someone say Amen. Hallelujah. But Job is spending all this time in Job 3. He's cursing the moment of his birth because he said the the thing that I feared the most, the thing that I I shrugged my shoulder at and cowered under from the most, it has come. What's come, Job? What's made you fear so greatly? What is such an adversary to you? He said it is trouble." trouble. Troubles came. Troubles came. We all shy away from that. Walk through the door, the honey says, Honey, I need to talk to you. We got a problem. Isn't that the first thing you like to hear when you walk through the door? We got a problem. What is it? The car's not working. What is it? The washing machines were not working. What is it? I hear water dripping under. I hear water dripping in the crawl space. It sounds like it's almost rushing. Uh, we don't like to be met with trouble. You come home and it's like, man, the thing I feared the most has come upon me. There's trouble. I just left work and just had an all day full of trouble and problem. Now you tell me I come back home and there's trouble. I believe there is no better New Testament scripture that describes how sometimes we feel than 2 Corinthians 7 5. The Bible says, For when we were come to Macedonia, Paul was speaking, he says, Our flesh had no rest. Have you ever been there? Our flesh had no rest. He said, We were troubled on every side. He said, Without were fightings, and within were fears. I don't know about you, but there are junctures in the road in my life. It seems like on every hand I got me a fight going on. On every hand, you know, I'm trying to tighten that up. I'm trying to put that fire out. On every hand, I have fightings, and all the while long, the fear is welling up in me. What's going to happen next? Where's it going to come from now? Am I able, going to be able to control all this and get it under hand? Trouble, problems, situations. Someone say hallelujah they say let's go talk to God we can't do anything, you're wanting to throw in the towel but let's go talk to God, let's go talk to the man of God about this and whenever they get to the man of God and they meet the man of God, hallelujah he brings an answer to Saul that Saul has not even asked yet Saul has not inquired about the donkeys he's not inquired about his trouble yet he's not inquired about this mishap yet but Samuel amen with the mind of God goes on and speaks out in verse 20 he says listen here Saul he said as for your donkeys he says that were lost amen Samuel Saul had not told Samuel that but Samuel's being instructed by the Lord he said the donkeys that were lost even though The time frame when it started three days ago. I'm here to tell somebody in this house that your great God Almighty knows when your trouble began, He knows when your problem started, He knows when your situation arose, He knows when all these things of calamity started. He said three days ago when those donkeys first came up missing. He says, these donkeys that were lost three days ago, he says, don't set your mind on them." What are you talking about? For three days, me and old Joey here has been searching the desert. For three days, we went through this land and that land and we've come up empty-handed. And the very thing that started this pursuit, the very thing that started this journey, you're telling me, don't think about it? For that matter, we're here where we are today, talking to you because of the trouble, because of the problem. But you're telling us, don't set your mind on it because they're found and Samuel switched gears because once I'm relieving your mind about the trouble and the problem that began this pursuit he switches gears on him don't be thinking about that now That's you've been consumed with for the past three days he says are you not the one for Israel what is going on here are you not the one that is chosen for God. What are you talking about, Samuel? God had already been talking to Samuel the day before. He says, Saul's gonna show up. He's gonna have a problem, he's gonna have a situation. He said, But I spawned the problem early in his life to bring him at this exact juncture in the road. You tell him, Don't worry about the problem. But the problem was a path to this moment. The problem was a path to this juncture. Oh, someone hear me right now. What are you saying? God has an ulterior motive for your problem. God has an ulterior motive for your circumstance, for your situation. You thought it was gloom, doom, bad, negative. There's no answer, there's no remedy, but God's using somebody's problem to bring them at a certain junction in the road. Uh Someone say amen. Let's get rid of this. That water was hot enough to get a guy sweating. I know from my hips down, I'm probably a lobster. we don't even have red lobster out there on the sign but let me tell you cheddar bay Bay biscuits will come out just momentarily forget about your trouble set that aside are you not the chosen of Israel are you not the chosen of Israel Saul is standing there no doubt dumbfounded because the three past days my life has been consumed with my difficulty my life has been consumed with my problem and now you're telling me don't worry about the problem that the problem was just a mode and a method to get me to where I'm at where am I where am I he says listen here boy he said I'd like you to stay here tonight Amen Stay with here with us here Go on and sit around with us here I want you to eat with us tonight We're going to have conversation I'm going to talk with you Just listen to me as I get a chair Bishop go get a chair hey, Amen Man just felt authority Tell one go and he goes Hallelujah He says, I want you to stay for dinner. He says, here's what we're going to do. He says, we're going to go up to a high place here. We've had some peace offerings. There's some sacrifices that have been made. There's a banquet table up there, and there's food all across the table. And notice verse 22 of 1 Samuel 9. The Bible says, And Samuel took Saul, his servant, and brought them into the parlor and made them sit, look, in the chiefest place among them that were bidden which were about 30 persons we got 30 people at this banqueting table 30 people whenever in the culture you sat at a table you sat according to rank Mason if you can help me here's Samuel Saul now forget about those donkeys (laughs) I know you've been consumed about those for the past three days. I know everywhere you look that they haven't been, but we know where they're at. They're found. They're They're taken care of. He says, that has brought you to this point. What is that point, Samuel? He says, well, come over here to the table. We got a banquet spread here today. And I know we said, according to rank, he says, sit at the chiefest spot. 30 other people of different prestige a different clout in life but Samuel comes walking in somebody that's been in the arid desert for 3 days may have dust upon their face their clothes somewhat disheveled because they've been dealing with a circumstance that's been beyond their control and he says but that's brought you to this spot what spot is that he says i got a chief place at the table for it. He says, I got the best seat in the house for you. He said, the king and all the magistrates are going to be coming here. You're going to be sitting in the presence of royalty, but you're going to be sitting at the chiefest spot. I know you've been frustrated the past three days, but that frustration has brought you to this moment. It's been bringing you to a place where you can sit at the bed place at the table. And we got we got thirty other people at that table. I can imagine some of them are the band. Man, who is this guy here? Man, he's walking the dog. He's sitting at the chief spot of the table. How in the world did he get here? <laughs> because he's been through some things that you all have been through the past three days. It's bad. I'm coming up empty handed. Hold on. God might be getting you to a a strategic spot. A position to set you at the head of the table. As an honored guest. Of royalty. Uh, Wait now. Wait now. The Bible says. In verse 23. And Samuel said unto the cook. Got a nice meal here spread. He says, bring the portion which I gave thee of, which I said unto thee, set it by thee. Let me go backwards just here for a moment. See, because what all is coming about right here is that God has already spoke to Samuel before any of this happening and told him that there would be a a person that was going to be coming by inquiring of him and that should be the a person that he should anoint with prestige and power Samuel has already made all the arrangements I hope I can just connect with somebody here tonight that while Saul was still feverishly looking in the desert Samuel was already making preparation for his arrival in the chief seat He says, he says, cook, you remember yesterday when I said we was going to have this meal and we was going to have this great pump and all of this grandeur? He says, you remember that piece of the meal of the meat that I told you to set aside? He said, it's time. I told you, I told you not let anybody else have that. Don't let any of the 30 representatives have that. There's a person that's going to be sitting at the head of the table that that has been set aside and reserved for. The person it was reserved for wasn't the one with gold and glitter, with fame. It wasn't the one that slept in a bed of ivory or laid down in a kingly palace. But it was the one for the past three days that had trouble, heartache, and dismay. That peace was reserved for that person. It was known as the royal portion. here to encourage somebody tonight are you frustrated with your trouble are you frustrated with your problem God could have an ulterior motive for you he could be using that trouble to bring you to the chief seat he could be using that trouble to bringing you to, to the banquet where your every eye is going to look upon you as the one that is renowned he could be bringing you to the table because he's been saving back for you a portion that's been set aside designated just for you a son of tribulation All-tier remote motive, bad, 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 bad. I'm singing the blues. Well, three days ago, da, 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 da. I am sitting in the recliner. Daddy came running in. So we got some donkeys on the loose? Trouble. Don't get. Don't make me get my sunglasses, all right. Uh-huh. Phew. Yeah. Man, oh. sister Brenda God knew when that trouble started God knew when that trouble was birthed God knew whenever that all took place but I believe undoubtedly in my heart from Sunday morning this morning that God has an ulterior motive for all that I don't know all the ins and outs but where you were out in the desert for the past several months he set you at the chief seat he's bringing up the meat that he's prepared many days ago and he's saying sit down eat I've saved this for you all There's some other people in this house over the past year, two years. You went through some heartache. You went through some trouble and you thought there was no way out. Some of you thought about throwing in the towel. But all along, God was preparing a place for you. He had some food that he was setting aside for you. But he was using your trouble to get you to where you are now. the mill said. The mill is done. Everything is complete. Saul and Samuel have some interchange. They have some talk. Before the day is done, there's a very deep understanding from Samuel to Saul. Saul, the donkeys and the journey that you've been on have brought you here because you're going to be Israel's first king, and I'm about ready to lay my hands on you, and I'm going to pour some oil on you, and you're going to be anointed. He said, but I had to use the donkeys to get you to where you could be anointed. I had to use the donkeys in the three days of struggle and trouble to get to you where the oil could be poured out on your hands. If you're praying God anoint me If you're praying God use me Just beware of this He may have an ulterior motive in mind He might have some donkeys That's going to get loose in your life That's going to create some problems But if you'll search And you'll be vigilant Even though you may be frustrated Rest assured in the end of it all It's going to bring you to a place And seated at the table With a precious meat And the anointing of God's presence and unction Will fall up on your life But he'll use trouble to get you there as as an ulterior motive. Brother Mason, you can be seated, seated. Someone say amen. Oh, the trouble I've seen. One of the stories that I'm more fond of in Scripture is the story of Joseph, betrayed by his brothers, put into the hands of the Ishmaelites trading mercantile. everybody say trouble oh trouble sowed in regard to that nation of Egypt sowed to Potiphar everybody say trouble trouble, trouble. but while sowed to Potiphar the scripture plainly says in Genesis 39 and 8 just for your reference that he Potiphar committed all that he had to Joseph's hand trouble got him there to accept the authority of all that Potiphar had in his house wrongfully lied on by Potiphar's wife thrown into prison everybody say trouble Trouble. someone say a loose donkey oh boy you ain't kidding loose donkey and we're going to spend some time in prison he goes to prison the Bible declares in Genesis 39.22 this is the word of the Lord that committed to Joseph's hand were all the prisoners that were in the prison. Never would have had that had it not been for the trouble that got him there. Someone say trouble. Brought out to interpret Pharaoh's dream that seemingly no one could interpret but notice that if a proper interpretation wasn't rendered if he couldn't do this we're looking at again possible trouble he comes before Pharaoh he gives the interpretation of the dream the Bible tells us in Genesis 41 that he committed Joseph to Joseph his house and the rule of the people now look at verse 41 with me if you will of Genesis 41 41 41 this is important folks this is a young man that started in his homeland back with his brothers his native land his dad his mother that has been through a process of disappointment, through a process of problem, through a process of trouble and at each juncture in the road it seems like God is committing new things to his hand. Whatever he ends up where he ends up, he's in Egypt everybody say Egypt Egypt in Old Testament scripture is a parallel to the modern day world. It was significant and uh, symbolical of the world but here he is stationed there And the Bible says, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. I have set you over all the land of Egypt. He says in verse 44, the Bible reads, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee, Joseph, shall no man lift up his heel.'" or his hand, rather, or foot in all the land of Egypt. Everybody say, Egypt's the world. Egypt's the world. God brought trouble into the life of Joseph that moved him along the board all the way to Egypt. It's a good chance that Joseph would have not been or got to that place in Egypt had it not been for the problems that preceded that. But all of that journey, that moving from being sold to the Ishmaelites, sold to Potiphar, put in prison, hey man, now coming to Pharaoh to interpret a dream, all of that trouble strategically positioned him where he is right now in Egypt, symbolical of the world. And now Pharaoh's telling him that I put all the world under your hand. In other words, Joseph, I'm giving you power in the world. Someone say hallelujah. I'm giving you power in the world. I believe there's something in New Testament Scripture that our Lord and Savior spoke, amen, and to the apostle that he would give him power, amen, that whatsoever he would bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever he would loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. But you know what? The apostle had some heartache. The apostle had some trials. The apostle had some problematic areas. But I guarantee you this, if you just can hold on, if you can just stay fit, if you just won't throw in the towel, God's fixing to give some. Some of you that's had great woe and great problems. He's going to give you power even in this world to conquer to legislate with the dominions that be all oh, along the journey. Man, you, We can look at his coats. He lost his coat of many colors when he was sold by his brothers. He lost his garment when he fled from Potiphar's wife. He lost his garments again when he was in prison. It was different attire. Even in that day, he lost his garments. He lost his prison clothes whenever he stood to interpret before Pharaoh. The Bible says they changed his garments. Listen to me, though. Whenever he received that instruction from Pharaoh, Pharaoh said, only in the throne will I be greater than you. He says, we stand as equals only in the throne unprecedented power only in on the throne will I be greater than you whenever he got to that place that trouble brought him when he got to that place where, the tarry, where trouble brought him the Bible says he got another garment he got the garment of vestures if you will of fine linen trouble had changed his garments many times he had suffered at the hand of many things But in the end, the result was vestures of fine linen. Now, I'm closing tonight. If you can stand with me. Fine linen. The Bible states in Revelations 19 and 8, and also verse 14, when spoken in the book of Revelation, when fine linen garments are spoken of in the book of Revelation, Those type of garments, look now. And to her, this is speaking of the bride of Christ, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. In verse 14, it declares, the armies which were in heaven followed him, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, when it comes back to this earth to do the fighting and the battle. That upon him, upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, who the armies, who is that going to be? That's going to be the church that's blood-bought, mercy sought. That's going to be the church that's had her heartaches, that's had her trouble in this world. But in the end, she's going to be clothed. All of that brought her to a spot. She's going to be clothed with fine linen. Joseph, you are where you are today. You're adorned with fine linen today. Because you suffered trouble through a good portion of your life. It's been problematic. But today, unlike any other garment you've had before, you sat in fine linen. The righteousness of the saints. You sat in fine linen. But you could not get here had it not been for the process that you went through to get there. Some of you even tonight may be staring into the eyes of adversity. Standing, staring into the eyes of not Not, not very good odds stacked against you some of you may even be considering with different things in life that has overtaken you right now that i've sought for remedy and there is no remedy to this there is no answer to this perhaps passing over the mind to some as well let's just throw in the town let's go back home let's just throw in the town just say it can't be done but i'm here to encourage you tonight that where you are right now god could be using that with an ulterior motive and purpose. It's not as bad as it may seem on the surface. He's just trying to bring you to a place at the table. He's just trying to bring you to a place that he's prepared for you. He's just trying to bring you to a place where there's going to be other people sitting there, but you're going to be at the chief seat. And he's already told the cook. He's already told the gourmet chef, set aside that piece, that royal portion, that best piece. He said, because they're going to be sitting right here. They're going to be sitting right here. Three days ago, trouble started in their life. But that trouble's bringing them right here. That trouble's bringing them. We want to throw in the towel because sometimes we don't see the profitability in what we're presently going through. I don't understand what I'm presently going through. And right now all I feel toward this is negativity. I feel bad. This doesn't feel good. I don't like trampling throughout throughout the desert. And with O'Conroy Joel here and us being hot and our thirst is, just needs to be quenched. I don't like doing this, but if I if I had the ability, I wish I did, but I don't. But if I had the ability tonight, just to pull back the veil a little bit and show you that where the your journey you're on right now ends right here at the chief place at the table. I could just pull back the veil of time right now telling you that the months of anguish that you've been suffering the disappointment that you've experienced up to this point in time is bringing you to a spot at the head of the table a place of royalty where God has set back the special, the best for you I dare to believe that you would say I'm going to go to another city and look I'm going to carry on another day another month I'm going to go talk to the man of God. I'm going to go talk to God one more time. And I guarantee you this, if you can just hang in there and not give up, you're going to meet that juncture of the road that you're going to hear heaven say, hey, don't worry about that. That's taken care of. But I got something for you. (laughs) Don't worry about those months of the unknown. I've been preparing something all along for you during that time. And because you didn't throw in the towel, And because you didn't tuck your tail in between your legs and go back home, here's the chief place at the table. Here's the meat. And wait a minute. I got a vial of oil here. Here comes a fresh anointing upon your life. Here comes a fresh anointing upon your life. Here comes a fresh presence of God. God did it for Sister Brenda Trout. God's doing it for her. I believe God's doing it for Rebecca Lambert. Uh Uh-huh. everything over the past years Rebecca has brought you back to the chief place at the table everything for the past years have brought you back with the choice meat right there at your hand and a fresh anointing upon your head. there's other people here under the sound of my voice I'm telling you we need to respond to the Lord tonight I feel the presence of God thank you for listening